So our, our passage today, we're actually going to do two, but I'm just going to read one for, for uh, now. Um, but in 2 Samuel, we're going to look at 2 Samuel 12, and we're going to look at uh, 1 Samuel 15. I know that sounds like a lot, but I probably going to try to shorten it, and we're going to try to get through that. Um, so that is our text. Right now I'm just going to read uh, first. Um, just going to read uh, 2 Samuel 12. Down to, um, down to verse uh, 15. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with children. I ate of his own food and drank from his own cup, lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man, who refused to take from him his own flock, and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David was angry. Or, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold up for the lamb. Because he did this thing because, and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping, and gave your, you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little... I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. And you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun, for you did it secretly, but I will do these things before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not have given excuse me. You shall not die. Sorry. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. Let's pray.
Our Father, uh, we just uh, come before you today, and uh, Lord, I just pray that your your word, not mine, but your word, would penetrate our hearts and our minds, and that we would hear and do, and and uh, it would impact our lives. And Lord, I just uh, pray these in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> you know, I uh, I'm sure most of you have probably heard. Um, recently, actually over the summer, of, of the uh, couple of, um, the, in Yellowstone that the people got mauled by bison. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone probably heard, heard about that. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking about that, and you, you, you see that, and you go, how, how stupid can people be, right? And I'll just be honest, like, how stupid can you be to, 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 to go and do that and, and to go approach these animals, especially when there's signs everywhere, right? And the rangers are telling you, don't do that. Stay in your car. Don't approach them. They're powerful. Don't do it, right? But here we are. We see people approaching them. And then they're usually surprised that they get mauled and end up in the hospital, right? And we think, oh, man, how stupid are these people? But you know what? We do that very same thing, don't we? We do that very same thing with our sin. And, and we have a habit of doing that and thinking, uh, even though there's signs, right? And as Christians, our sign is the Word of God. And there's signs everywhere telling us, don't do it. But we want to go have a selfie with our sin, so to speak, right? Or with the bison. And then what happens is then we end up getting mauled and then we end up wondering what happened, even though the signs were there. Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. And that's kind of what we see with, uh, with David. And I'm going to do kind of, if you stay with me, I'm going to do a contrast. We're going to look at um, how true repentance, and then we're going to look at um, true repentance, but we're going to look at the opposite. We're going to go to Saul. And we're going to look what it, what it looks like when you, with uh, false repentance. And then we're going to look at how to deal with our sin. After we repent, how do we deal with sin? So that's what I want to encompass today. And I know uh, if you stay with me, I'm not going to try to be too long. But with your permission, I might be a little bit more than usual. But I think we need to understand this and to see this. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into this. And look at this. I'm actually going to go down to, uh, to verse 5 because we just read this. I'm going to start in verse 5. Um, so we heard, right? Uh, excuse me. Let me back up a little bit. So let me give you a little history of what's going on here. Most of you know, I think, know what's going on here and have heard this story of David and Bathsheba. It's a pretty well-known story. It's one of probably the most popular stories in the Bible. Well, that's what happened in verse, uh, chapter 11, we have David, uh, right? He uh, went and he slept with Bathsheba, and then he got her pregnant, and all this encompassed, and then he went and he got uh, Uriah, her husband, killed, right? So we know that. That's what's going on here. That's the history behind this, and what is leading up to this. And actually, by this time, what we see here, this is probably at least, we know, nine months, if not more. 
that has passed. I don't know the exact time amount. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really say, but we know that he had a small child. It does say that. Um, so uh, anyways, um, there has been some time period. Then, as we read, Nathan comes to Daniel, or to, uh, excuse me, to David, and gives him this parable, if you will. And what's interesting, so let's start in verse 5. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Let's pause there. How often do we do that? Right? And we kind of talked about that a little bit, right? When I said about the bison. How often do we, as ourselves, as, as Christians, we have a habit of looking at somebody else, perhaps an individual, a church, whatever, and we thought, oh, look what they're doing. Oh, my goodness, how horrible that is. And we get indignant. Now, don't get me wrong. Sin, we should get indignant at sin. But here's the thing is with David, he had a glaring problem, didn't he? He had issues that he didn't take care of. He had sin problems that he didn't take care of. But he was all ready to go and get all mad for this guy, right? And he was ready to go get him. And he was all worked up. And, uh, and we, we, you know, we look at, again, we look at David like, oh, wow, how, how could David do that? Well, we, I think, have a habit of doing that, too. We can get worked up, and we can see uh, other people's sin and forget about our own sin. And here's the thing, and, that's, uh, and then it says in verse 7, then this, Nathan just basically lowers the boom on him, doesn't he? He goes, hey, David, he said, then David, you are the man. You know, now <laughs> in today's society, you know, you hear people say, yeah, you're the man. You know, hey, you're the man. You know, hey, that's not what he's saying here. <laughs> this was not a uh, positive connotation. He was saying, you're the guy. You did it. And, and he, uh, he was pointing it out to him. And I want us to see this. Is Here's, here's the, uh, the thing is, we sin. And we're going to see as we go through this, that God always points out our sin. He doesn't leave our sin unintended. And we're going to hit this probably several times as we go through this. But this is what happens. And not only does God point it out, it has consequences. And we're going to see that right now as we go through this. And he says this, You are the man. Thus is the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of, of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if they had been too little, I would also have given you much more. But basically what God says, I gave you all this stuff. I'm the one who gave it to you. And if I, if I would have poured on more. I was the one who gave you all this stuff. And then he goes, I would have given much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? That's pretty, right? He's saying, why did you sin against me? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. And you have killed him with the sword of people of Ammon. Now, here we go. Here's where we, it's, uh, here the consequences are starting to come for David in verse 10. 
Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I'll take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do these things before all and before the sun. See there, and everything that he said, as we read on further, that's exactly what happened, right? We know that. And it was a mess. His family was a mess. We're going to look at something else here a little. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But his whole family was a mess. And, and it had consequences. Our sin has consequences. Right? And it not only affects us, but it affects other people. And, uh, but I, I do want to clarify something. I want to say something real quick. Not every trial is from sin. I want to make that clear. Not every bad thing is because we sin, right? John, in John 9, right, with the blind man, Jesus said that. They asked him, well, what, who sinned to make this guy blind? And, uh, and the, the, Jesus said, nobody. Because that's what I wanted to happen to glorify me. So, nobody. So, I want to clarify that. I'm not saying that everything that happens to us is because of sin. However, sin has consequences. It, it just does. You know, and it can be physical, it can be whatever. If, if you're um, sleeping around, well, guess what? You're probably going to get, possibly set yourself up to STDs. It's a physical thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a consequence, right, of doing that. So it has consequences. And unfortunately for, De for David, as we'll see, it had deadly consequences. Alright, so let's keep going. It says, uh, You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife. Oh, excuse me, let me go down here. Um, and then we go, um, and then we go to thir verse 13. And I like this. Nathan told him all this stuff. And he, he went through this, and David goes, I have sinned. Against the Lord. Notice that? He didn't make... We're not, we're not going to look at that a little later here with Saul. He didn't make excuses. He didn't say anything. He didn't try to, to get out of it. He simply said, I have sinned against the Lord. How, how often do we do that, ladies and gentlemen? When we go... And when somebody comes and somebody confronts us with our sins, and like I said, we're going to look at it later, but we often try to play it off. But when somebody comes to us, or, or we're reading perhaps the Word of God, and it convicts us, so we go, I have sinned against the Lord. And that's important. He realized it. And he, it was a sincere, I believe a sincerity with him. And... As uh, Bill read, that's why I wanted to just read uh, Psalms 51. Because that was actually, uh, as he, Bill read, it was after this happened. And we got a glimpse and we saw the true repentance of, of David's heart. 
right? We saw that. We got a glimpse of that. We saw what true repentance was. <clears throat> and, and here's the thing. Here's the next thing. And this is also really, this is probably one of the best parts of here. Let's, let's go. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put your sin, put away your sin. You shall not die. Even though he sinned, David came for God. He realized it and he repented. And as always, God had mercy on him, right? Um, Romans. Excuse me, let me uh, just uh, look over my notes here. Um, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Amen. Even though he sinned, even though he did this thing, he went before God, asked him for forgiveness, and God granted him grace. Now, as we talked about, that didn't, didn't mean it negated the consequences. Oftentimes, I think we, we, we do that. We can come up, we go for God, and then we think, well, the, the, the consequences are God. No. Do you know what the consequences of our sin was? It put Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. But in a way, thank God it did, right? Because if he didn't, then we wouldn't have forgiveness. We wouldn't have had to be able to come to God. And have Jesus as our, our uh, uh, to, to be the uh, appreciation of our sins, right? And because of that, we can go before God and we can ask for forgiveness. And we can um, ask Him to forgive our sins. And here's the thing, if you aren't a Christian, everything I am saying does no good if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and know that he died on the cross for your sins and repent. And as I've, I think I talked to you folks before, real repentance, as we see with David, isn't just necessarily just purely stopping what you're doing. Although that's part of it. You have to start there. But it's stopping what you're doing and turning to Jesus. Right? And that's kind of what he did here. Now, I know I've told you folks that before, but I think that is important. Not just simply stopping, but repenting and turning to Jesus. And that's what we see here. And then uh, again, we go here. However, and again, here we go, a little bit of a sad thing here. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also is born, or the, who is born to you shall surely die. I want to see something. God, not only when we sin, do we uh, sin, perhaps sin against other people. But we sin against a holy God. And when we do that, other people see it. And God doesn't 
how do I want to say it? Uh, God deserves the glory. And when we do something sinful, it has negative connotation, especially if we're claiming to be a Christian, right? We claim to be a Christian. And, and people here say this, and then we go off to say that it's not only a reflection on us, it's a reflection on God, and God can't stand that. He has, and so that's what he's going on. He said, but because you, however, because of this deed, you have given great occasions to the enemy of the Lord. He said, you give these guys a chance to mock me. You give these guys an opportunity to, to uh, you know, whatever. He said, because of that, Gonna have you know his his son dies, and we see this, and uh, and I'm not gonna read go through this. Later we do see indeed that his son died, and as I stated before, all this other stuff happens with Dave, but God for ultimate forgave him, right? And He showed David His grace. You know it says the and going back. A little bit. It says, um, the wages of sin. Uh, uh, you know, God spared David's life, but it says the wages of sin is death. Unfortunately, his, his son died. And like I said earlier, you know whose son died on the cross? God's. He died for our sins. Because of our sins. Right? So now, could leave it there. But I'm not going to. <laughs> um, with your permit, I'm going to keep going. And we're going to try to breeze through this. I know we're getting a little bit, um, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit on that time. But we're going to go look at this. Because I, I think we need to see this. Um, so we're going to go to 1 Samuel 15. So we're going to see, now we looked at what it is for repentance. So now we're going to see... Kind of the opposite of this. So I'm not gonna. I'm gonna give us a brief history because I'm um, of what's going on here for time's sake. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but uh, what's going on here is Saul or Dave or excuse me. Sometimes my uh, my tongue covers my eye tooth and I can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, So what's going on here? God told Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. Military term, Lottie Dottie, everybody. He told him to wipe out everybody. He said, don't take the spoil. Don't leave anything. Destroy it all. Right? That's what we're going to look at. He said, everything. Okay, so... And, and so he saw, and then uh, he ended up um, going, and, and they won. And they won the battle. They set up an ambush. It went well, and they won. And it says, uh, so we're going to go verse 7. And so it says, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah uh, all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag. King of Amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, and the fatlings, the lambs, 
and all, all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything else, everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told uh, Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and, in, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he was gone uh, uh, on around, passed by, uh, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, <laughs> I like this, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have formed the commandment of the Lord. Again, how often do we, we do something and we're like, Yeah, yeah, I did what God told me to do. Yeah. And then Saul goes, Um... But, but did you though? <laughs> but yeah, that's, that was Joseph, not 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 the God or not the Bible. But but Samuel said, "What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears that the the lowing of the oxen which I hear?" Right, and as with Saul, I mean with David, our sins will find us out. Right? Saul thought he was being clever. Saul thought he was, he was doing all this, this stuff. But it wasn't so. He was disobeying what God told him to do. And here we go. And here's, it says, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Notice what he did there? For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to, the, to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Well, two things. One, he said the people. And excuse number one. Blame number one. He was blaming the people for what he was doing. And as the leader, he should have been the one responsible. It shouldn't even been an issue. But he was blaming them for his sin. And his disobedience to God. Not only that, he, go, he makes another excuse. He goes, well, it's okay. We were going to save that for you, God. We, we, we're going to sacrifice that for you. Hmm. How, how often do we do stuff like that, too? We might be like, well, you know, maybe not give something to somebody or whatever. And maybe it's like, well, I, I was going to do that for God. Hmm, sure you were. Okay. Yeah. Um... And in he, but he disobeyed. We know he disobeyed God, don't we? Because we, we know, if go back in 15, and I recommend you guys reading this and uh, uh, later and read the whole thing, except for time, I didn't have a chance. But we know that he disobeyed God. <clears throat> and, and then Samuel calls him out again. I like this. And he tries to, he says, Be quiet. He says, It's enough. He says, you're not going to try to hoodwink me. He knew. He knew that he was lying. And he said, be quiet. How often would you guys like to do that to people, right? Be quiet. Um, he says, be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. 
Now he's taking them back and said, you're not the authority here as God is. Amen. And he told them, I'm going to tell you what God told me. And by that, he's, he, he does at that time. That's how, he, uh, how uh, um, God did talk to prophets then. He doesn't anymore. I'm going to throw that in there. Um, but anyways, um, we'll move on from that. Um, and then he said, uh, uh, this is what he, he said to me. So Samuel, uh, and he said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were, uh, were you not of the tribe of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are uh, consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And again, here we go, Samuel, not getting it, or excuse me, Saul, not getting it. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I bought, brought back Agag, king of the Amalekites. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Yeah, except for the king. <clears throat> that was again me added. But the people took the uh, took of again. Notice what he's doing again. But the people, he's blaming. He's still not getting this. He's blaming uh, the people. But the people took the plunder of the uh, the sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said to him. First off, Samuel didn't buy it, did he? He knew that he, he, um, um, he knew he was lying and he knew that that's not what's going on. And he said, has the, <clears throat> and so Samuel said to him, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Oh, excuse me, let me read that again. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? I'm going to stop right there for a second. God, you know, I think sometimes, again, we can do this too, can't we? We can kind of get in our little holy huddle or whatever it is. And... I think we can, you know, we, 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 we come and we, we do things, right? We do good things. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with doing good things. But I think when we, what happens is we can think that we are doing good things and we're doing all this stuff, but leave God out of it. And that's kind of what was going on with Saul. He was doing this quote-unquote holy thing in his mind, right? He thought he was, he, perhaps he did believe it. I don't think so. I think he knew he was wrong. But when you leave God out of the equation, it is nothing. When God's not in it, it's nothing, right? He, Jesus said, you give somebody a drink of cold water in my name. And I think that's what David was, or Saul is doing here. He's trying to do all this stuff. And what God, Jesus says, is what I want from you is I want obedience. Sacrifice is nothing if it doesn't come from a repentant heart and obedience to me. 
And that's what he's saying here to Saul. He's starting to, I think, drive it home to him. For rebellion is as this, and we go on to verse 23, and it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as an iniquity and adultery. Excuse me. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Ooh. I'm going to pause right here for a second. I want us to go somewhere else because, um, and, and we'll come back, but I, I want to touch on that while we're here. Um, well, let's, excuse me, let's go ahead and go on, and then I, I'm going to take us somewhere. Then Samuel, then uh, he also rejected you from being king. So when, not only does, Sin affect, like I've said, relationships, but unrepented sin affects our relationship with God. When we don't take care of sin, and when we don't ask for forgiveness of sin, it affects us, our relationship with God. And we're going to look at that here in a minute, but I want to continue here. We're going to go more into that, because... Uh, I'm going to show you uh, a little later on what happened to, uh, to Saul. And said, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed to the commandments of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. Now he said, well, well hold, wait, 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 hold, hold on. He just said he repented. He just said that, right? It's just... Yeah, after he got caught. And he said, well, so did David. But here's the difference. David, as we know, was a true repentance. And we, we talked about that, right? And, and with Psalms 51, we saw Saul's was not. Right? How often do we do that too? When, when like someone would get caught, so, well, well, I forgive you. What he was more concerned, Saul was more concerned about his reputation. Saul was more, more worried about what the people thought, right? He thought, he was more concerned with what man thought than what God thought. And we see that here. And he says, then Saul, and, and that's why he said, Samuel didn't buy it. He knew he, he uh, didn't. But, and it says, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And and as Samuel turned around, <clears throat> and as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel said to him, "The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and has given it to your neighbor of yours, who is better than you, and also." The strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not the man, a man that he should relent. And then again, he says, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me, and I will worship the Lord your God. And again, like I said, he, he knew, I think Saul, what I've read is Saul, Samuel does go with him, so Samuel turned back. After Saul and worshipped, uh, and Saul worshipped the Lord. 
I think the reason why Samuel decided to go was more for the people. I didn't think he bought Saul's repentance. But I want to see, as, as I said, and we went through this, I want to go back and talk about how our sin and not repentance affects our relationship with God. So really quick, I'm going to jump into, uh, actually not that far over, we're going to go to 1 Samuel 16, 14. 1 Samuel 16, 14 says this. <clears throat> Once I find it. <laughs> oh, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord <clears throat> troubled him. And then I also will quickly want I, I it says again, verse 18, I think this is actually, I like this one a little better because I think this kind of sums it up a little better than, than the other one. It says, uh, 18, 1 Samuel 18, 12. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Notice that? Because of his sin and his unwillingness to ask for forgiveness, removed himself and that relationship was affected. Now, if you guys bear with me, we're, we're getting to the end there, but I want to take us really quick, hopefully, through a couple more things, if you please bear with me. Because, um, I again, I, I, I just we're going to shift gears a little bit. We talked about asking for, uh, you know, for forgiveness and repentance. And now I want to see what do we do with the sin? How, how do we deal with sin in our life? And I'm going to try to move this as quickly as I can if you stay with me here. So we go now, let's go back to uh, chapter 15, get to the end here. And it says, then the, um, excuse me. And then it says, uh, then Samuel said, uh, then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgad. I'm going to, if, if I can, I'm going to borrow the illustration here that John MacArthur used, and I think this is very powerful. So, Sam, so he called, Samuel called for Agag. Agag comes up to him and says, hey, buddy, how's it going, right? Hey, how are you? You know, hey, we're, uh, you know, all the stuff we did, hey, we're probably pretty good, right? We're buddies now. What did, uh, what did he, Samuel do? Took his sword and he hacked into pieces. How often do we do that with our sin? You know, our sin comes up to us and said, ah, don't worry about it. We're good now. You know, hey, sure, surely there's nothing to worry about. But that's not the case, is it? And that's exactly what Samuel did. And God has to deal with the sin in our life. We have to deal with the sin in our life. So Samuel took the sword and he, he didn't just kill him. Not to be, to be gruesome, but he hacked him to pieces. And if I may, 
And we're almost, we're almost done, I promise. Um, I, I want to leave us with a few applications here. And I would like to turn to um, John MacArthur's. I'm going to use his. Again, it's called Hacking Your Gag to Pieces. Huh, I wonder where I got that from. Um, and I'd like to read these to you. It is a little lengthy, um, but I would like to bear down. If, you guys, if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to write these down because I think this, this is important. And this is the application here. And I can say this because I want to read this because I didn't want to just say, well, you shouldn't do it. But here's how we can deal with the sin in our life. And I'll try to read through these quickly. And he says this. One, abstain from fleshly lust. Peter wrote, uh, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. 1 Peter 2.11 in other words, stop lusting, abstain from it, stay away from it, flee immorality. First uh, Corinthians 6.18. What could be more direct? Do you want to put to death the lust in your heart? Then stop entertaining them. Peter does not prescribe a program of therapy. He does not suggest that such sin be treated as an addiction. He simply says to abstain. <coughs> Quit doing it. You have no business indulging such thoughts. Put them away at once. You're, <clears throat> you yourself must do this. It cannot be done for you. There is no point waiting for some heavenly power to erase this sin automatically from your life. You are to stop it, and stop it immediately. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, said, I do not know of a single scripture, and I speak advisedly, which tells me to take my sin, the particular things that gets me down to God in prayer and ask Him to deliver me from it, in, from it and then trust in the faith that He will. Now I'm going to move on to the other one. I think we get the point here. Simply, don't. Don't entertain it. Don't have anything to do with it. Don't hack it to pieces, right? And I'm going to move on because we don't have a lot of time and I want to get through these. There's another one. <clears throat> Make no, and these go a little faster. Make no provision for the flesh. In Romans 13, 14, Paul writes, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh in regard to its lust. In other words, simply refuse to accommodate fleshly lust. If you struggle with gluttony, don't load up on junk food when, you're shop, when you shop at the market. If you're tempted with sexual desires, don't fill your mind with the images that feed your lust. If you don't want to fall, don't walk where it is slippery. That's a good point. Refuse to furnish your mind with the means to entertain evil thoughts. Make no preparation for the possibility of sin. Thus you can slay sin before it breeds. And here's, I think, the most important one. Fix your heart on Christ. The Apostle John wrote, We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself, 
Just as he is pure, it is an inex inexorable spiritual law that you become like the object of your worship. Psalms 135 says, The idol of the nations are but silver and gold. The work of the man's hands, they have mouth. Oh, they have mouth, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath at all in their mouth. Those who make them will be like them. Yes, everyone who trusts in them. If the heathen become like the lifeless gods they worship, how much more will we be made like Christ, who have the Holy Spirit in us, uh, Holy Spirit in us, working to accomplish, accomplish that very goal. As we fix our heart on Christ, we discover our worship has the effect on comfort, uh, conform, conforming us to his image. But we all with un, unveiled faces, beholding as, a, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord's Spirit. Now he goes on, I'm going to stop there because this is lengthy. I wasn't going to read them all, but with time sake, I'm not. But the whole point is, is we have to, to be able to, um, to kill our sin and not just kill it, hack it to pieces. Can't let sin have any hold in our life. And another one, really quick, I'm just going to read these, I'm not going to read all of it, but he goes, meditate on God's word. Right? We need to have the word absorb in our words. It's the best way we can do it. You have that, go to the word of God. Another one is watch and pray, right? We know that the, um, uh, with the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. Right? So, and of course, he goes, he says, exercise self control. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes on. But like I said, I'm going in there. And then he, um, but what about us? First off, if you, like I said earlier, if you don't have Christ, none of this matters. Because you ain't going to be able to, without Christ, you're not going to be able to, uh, uh, you're just going to sin anyways. <clears throat> but what about you, Christian? Are you, one, going before God and asking for forgiveness, true repentance, and saying, as David said, I sinned. Or we don't be like us all. And or we don't be like Samuel to pick up the sword. By the way, if you all know, this is the sword of the spirit, right? You pick up the sword and you hack a gag. Actually, before I pray, I'd like us just to all, um, I know we're getting, a, again, time, but I just want to give us all a moment to go before God, and uh, I will close this out.
Our Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just thank you so much, Lord, that we can come before you. And Lord, I, I do just pray that, that myself and all who are here today, that we would be able to come before you and we would to be able to admit our sins. And Lord, not just admit them, but to change to turn from our sins and turn towards you and to walk with you and to be able to get a hold of our of our life. Yes, Lord, we are still sinners. But Lord, I pray that we would take sin seriously and we, that we, as we read, we know the consequences of sin. But Lord, I know that, I pray that we would not um, let sin come between us and you that we may have a full relationship with you. And uh, just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.